You're listening to WGSR, bringing hope and comfort to the world, 24 hours a day. Hi there. We here at God Stories Radio are reaching out to you and your business to sponsor us for as little as $10 a month. We need you so that we can continue bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement through the power of the Christian testimony. By your business blessing us monthly, we are able to bless others weekly. To sponsor us, email GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. And you don't have to be a business to be a blessing. Visit GodStoriesRadio.com to donate securely through PayPal. Just press the button. You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast with Mike, Fritz, Trish, and Tina. Listen to us live on the Mixler app. Also, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio and you will never miss an episode. Everyone to God Stories Radio. This is session 137. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. What's going on, guys? How you been? We're back. Yes, we know. Irma Gerd. Yeah, Irma and Maria and anything else. Sounds like a bad Jose? country song. Yeah, really. Jose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we survived Irma. Uh, yes, we did. As it did. ran through Florida pretty good. I know, right? I tell you, we were blessed. We... I'm not, believe me, I'm not trying to rub it in, but we didn't even lose power. Well, I mean, well, really? for maybe about five minutes. We did. But uh, it was the worst I sat through. It was. I will be honest. Considering we had the eye wall come straight through Lake County, I think that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know there was a lot of people that, that lost power and still don't have power. And those poor folks in Puerto Rico. Rico yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness! We just uh, shout out to them. We're just praying for y'all. And um, uh, I had thought about maybe uh, God Stories Radio, maybe getting together uh, with some partnering with a relief effort somewhere, and maybe we could send some water over or something. Yeah. Do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I feel so helpless, you know. Sometimes. Yeah. I just. Uh, well, you know, Samaritan's Purse, which is uh, Franklin Graham's mm-hmm. uh, ministry, he's been doing a lot with Harvey, and I'm sure that they've already been doing relief efforts um, overseas as well. They're a great organization um, to donate to um, if you're trying to help. Sounds good. I'm, I'm going to look into it. That's yeah. for sure. I think we should do something. Okay. Just something. Even mm-hmm. if it's little, you know, just have our hand in the pot and say, hey, <laughs> we did our part to help. Yeah. You know, God will bless it. He'll that's, multiply it. That's how it works, too, right? Everybody gives a little, and together it becomes a lot. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Big shout out to our Mixler listeners tonight. Uh, I see Tracy, Nick Smith, uh, Janelle Grimm, and uh, one other that I can't see your name, but welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us live on Mixler. Um, you can also chat with us, too. There's a chat bar there, and you can chat. We've got a great guest tonight. We're a little early tonight, too. We're a little early tonight. Uh, I, uh, For those of you that know me, I work for the mouse, and uh, <laughs> we're on uh, overnights right now, and uh, we're shooting uh, The Chew, 
and uh, which is that you know famous daytime cook show, and then uh, also a Wheel of Fortune, believe it or not, Vanna White and, and Pat, Pat Sajak. Oh boy, will be there live and in color, and. Uh, so anyway, I've been been working overnight, so I had to uh, do the show a little earlier. And our our guest Alex consented to uh, to uh, call in a little early, and we we so appreciate him for doing that. Most of all, we just appreciate the fact that he said yes that he would give his testimony. We ask a lot of people, and not, not everybody says yes. Not everybody know. says yes. That's right. All right, guys, we got I, some shout outs over there. Or, uh, well, we do. Uh, but first, I saw Trish and Jim shopping yesterday. No way. How is she doing? I did. And she How is, is ready she? to do her midterms. Wow. And she seems to be doing okay. She said to say hi to everyone. Oh, that's Man. great. Everybody I be praying for her, her while she does her midterms. Yeah. And uh, I noticed, too, we have our, remember our famous trucker? J.D. Yeah, J.D. in Israel, not, live in yeah, Israel. Yeah, you know, he's not trucking anymore. He trucked on over to Israel. And he's doing some cleaning up over there. And his posts are just amazing. They are. You know, for the first few days, he didn't really, he couldn't eat or he didn't have food and stuff like that. And he just said the Lord was sustaining him and stuff like that. It's just, just amazing story to Mm -hmm. watch. Trucker JD. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. We have Facebook likes. Wilbert Kendrick II. Thank you for liking us on Facebook. Thank you. We'll appreciate that. We have Donnell Miles. Thank you, Donnell. Appreciate that. And we have Joan Webster Mayberry. Thank you, Joan. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. liking us on Facebook. And in the regions that we have coming up uh, this week is New South Wales, Australia. Nice. South Wales, Australia. Welcome, welcome, guys. And then we have uh, in the good old US of A, we have Vermont. Vermont and Montana and Montana come on down (laughs) love it man we're just fired up man it's just uh, so uh, awesome to hear all these new regions and and sometimes countries and countries we don't even know about Mm -hmm. uh, drop us a line sometime if you're uh, listening to us in a foreign country somewhere and the show has blessed you at all absolutely give us a shout out godstoriesradio gmail.com we also heard from Craig Fox also. Sir Gregory. Yes. Um, he was kind enough to give us an update on his um, stepson. And, you know, he's completed his first round of chemo. And he had, at the time that he wrote in, 23 and a half weeks left to go. And he's managed it with minimal side effects. So for everybody who's been praying for him, he so appreciates that. Uh, I'll just read a quick snippet of what he wrote. Thank you all for your prayers, support, and good wishes. It all has meant a lot to me and my family during this difficult time. We continue to cherish all of your support. Thank you so much for those of you who have been through this struggle personally and in your families for sharing with me. This has inspired me a great deal. That is fantastic. Yes, it is. I love that brother, man. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's been uh, being a faithful listener and supporter of the show, and we're just continuing to lift him up in prayer. And I don't think he's on tonight. I don't see him. But if he is listening, shout out to you, Craig. Yes, sir. So, well, all right, enough. enough. Let's get to our guest. He's been waiting patiently on the other end of the phone, and uh, I'm going to let you do the honors there, dear. 
<laughs> well, we had a write-in, so somebody actually took us up on writing in and saying that, hey, we want to give our testimony. So I'm really happy to introduce to you Alex, Alex Smith. He comes from Kansas, and I don't really know a whole lot about Alex, so I'm looking forward to finding out more about him. So without any further ado, Alex, I'm going to turn it over to you. Hey, welcome, Alex. Welcome, welcome Alex. to the show. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate all you do. I listen to you guys at work often, and your your hard work doesn't go unnoticed. That's for sure. So hey, thank you. Hey, man. Well, you got a lot of fans out there. I got people chatting me uh, already on the on the mixer. Um, yeah, Nick Smith's my brother. Oh, is that your brother? I yeah, that's my brother. Hi, Nick. Love you. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, brother. Glad to have you. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, like I said, my name is Alex Smith. I'm 26 years old. I currently live in Kansas with my wife, and we're expecting our fourth child in November. Uh, I'm originally from Texas. Uh, I say that. I'm, I'm proud of that. <laughs> um, but when I was preparing to share my testimony, I decided to open up my baby book. Refresh my memory. And as I flipped from page to page, it was so easy to see someone from my past and blame them for who I became. For the pain, mentally, physically. I saw people that let me down, people that abandoned me. My entire life, I blamed them for my actions. I blamed them for my addiction to alcohol. I blamed them the direction my life went. So I'm here taking credit for my own actions. They were my choice. I chose sin and I chose the wickedness. I grew up in a small town just outside of Abilene, Texas. Population was just over 600. Wow. When I was born, I was instantly engulfed in love not only the firstborn child, but also the firstborn grandchild out of a pretty large family. I can comfortably say I was spoiled rotten. <laughs> <laughs> Part of my problem probably now. <laughs> so, uh, as I sit here now, I've got my baby book right here next to me. I'm just looking at my pictures, and I was a happy baby. I continue to flip through, and Something's just a little off there. You know, by about the age of six, I figured out what that was. So I remember being in, in school, I think I was about kindergarten, and the other boys would talk and laugh, and they would tell stories about their dad, who their dad was, the things he would do, just little things he would say. I mean, you, you know a lot how that goes. And When it would come my turn to say something, most of the time I would make up a lie or try to convince them I had a dad too, and the truth was I really didn't. I would see him from time to time on special occasions or just because I would blow up his phone at work and guilt him into coming to see me. Every little boy wants a father, and if they tell you they don't, they're lying. Mm -hmm. I wanted my father to take me fishing. I wanted him to teach me about sports. I wanted to learn about cars. These are things I would hear the other boys talk about. Father would spend all this time with him. 
investing in them. And I wanted that. I love my father so much, and more than anything, I wanted him to love me too. I felt alone going all through school, and that's a feeling that I carried with me most of my life. But at age seven, my mother got a new boyfriend. Shortly after that, she gave me the news that I was going to be a big brother. Better yet, the baby was going to be a boy. I remember I draw pictures of my mother marrying her boyfriend and me not only getting a baby brother, but a father as well. But soon after my baby brother was born, his father was just gone. I was, I was confused. I really didn't get it. The only thing that I knew was that I loved my new little brother more than anything. After that, I would bug my mother about where my father was and why I didn't have a father. So finally one day she told me the truth. She said my father had wanted me aborted, but my mother wouldn't let it happen. He tried to convince her multiple times and she said no. Hearing that changed me. I was a happy child, I loving and caring, and I loved him so much and they he just wanted me dead. I understood what that meant. So looking at my baby brother, that confusion, that sadness, it just turned into anger. He was abandoned too, just like me. So I made a vow to not, never leave my brother's side. The one that's listening tonight, actually. <laughs> not knowing that was a vow I could not keep. For the next few years, he became my world. I played with him, made him model. I was there when he started walking. I taught him to ride his bike at the age four. I would take him outside with me, and we would go on adventures throughout the countryside. We lived out in the country on a piece of land, and we would climb on old cars and dodge rattlesnakes, whatever the kids did. <laughs> He became my shadow. Everywhere I went, he went. Everything I did, he did. I did the best that I knew how, as a young boy, to be that father figure for him. So as I as I progressed, I'm getting older. I completely changed, and I started getting angry, and it grew and. By around the age of 15, I'd completely changed. I was vile and mean. I learned how to manipulate people to get what I wanted. The only thing that I would say I had going for myself was um, I made varsity track team as a freshman. So being the youngest on the team, I found myself following around the juniors and the seniors. Of course, being 15, my mother wouldn't let me leave to hang out with them, so... I would lie, manipulate anything I could to get out of the house. One night in particular, I was in, it was uh, more the ghetto part in Abilene, Texas. And I got a small party with some friends when I was handed a cup filled with alcohol. And instantly, I was hooked. 
I wanted more and more. And that one party turned into two, and two to four, and pretty soon, at 15, I was partying every weekend somewhere. By 16, I was kicked out of my mother's house, and I moved in with my grandparents. My grandparents being older, um, I didn't have as much supervision as I would have uh, with my mother. So my alcohol consumption grew. Um, I had a lot more freedom. And by 17, I was known as a thug. Uh, teachers, they told me I looked like a drug dealer. I was called a criminal. I was told I was going to end up in prison or dead. A lot of my family shunned me as well. Uh, they didn't want a whole lot to do with me, and I really don't blame them. I wouldn't want me around around my kids either. So, just with that, still at 17, I moved out of my grandmother's that I was living in, and uh, I moved in with my, my girlfriend at the time. Somehow managed to graduate high school. That was an act of God itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in good company uh, there, there. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> so uh, straight from there, I went to college for a few months, but decided I I'd like to drink party more. I couldn't keep up, so I dropped out. I got a job to cover my bills, cover the alcohol, party nonstop, drink and. Life seemed great. Then, April 8th, 2010, I got a phone call from my mother around 3 a.m. in the morning. My grandmother had died during the night. Now, a little backstory on my grandmother. From the time I was born, she loved me. She took care of me when my mother would go to work. Uh, somebody had to watch us. She washed my clothes. She made my bed every morning. She made me breakfast. She would drive me to school. She always motivated me to be better, and she never gave up on me. When almost my entire family shunned me, she didn't. She didn't see me as wicked person I became, but she saw me as her baby. She was my second mother, and now she was gone. As I was driving to her house in the dark, I couldn't keep myself from crying hysterically. The thought of never seeing her again killed me on the inside. When I arrived, I found my grandfather sitting at the kitchen table. He looked at me with tears in his eyes and said, you just lost the best friend you'll ever have. Those words etched a place into my heart because he was right. She called me almost every single day after I'd left to check on me, make sure I was okay, I was still breathing, see if I needed anything. What made it even worse was that I told her the day before she died that I was gonna come see her and I didn't, I just made it an excuse like I was tired or something. I just didn't put the effort to go see her and I regretted it, I still do to this day. So I had to get a drink there. Then I got the task on me, I had to tell my little brother that grandma was dead. So as I walked into the house next door where my brother was staying, he knew something was wrong. I remember sitting there in silence for a moment, not wanting to say anything. 
I finally worked up the courage and told him. I watched as his eyes filled with tears and he wrapped his little arms around me. Seeing him hurt made that hurt worse. It's an awful, awful time. So just after her funeral, me and my girlfriend, we moved closer to home. The only other person that still really had contact with me and still loved me was uh, was my uncle. So uh, we moved in with him. He wasn't handling his mother's death well, either neither was I, so at least we were in good company. Six months later, he drove an hour away, went down a random dirt road, and he slit his throat with a butcher's knife. Just like that, he was gone too. I became more angry, and I drank way more. I started selling drugs to get some extra cash. About a year after that, my girlfriend of four years left me, and then I snapped. I remember I ended up living in an old trailer house. I didn't have running water for about six months. I was having just a shower at a friend's house. or Every day, if I wasn't in a bar, and I was sitting at home in my bedroom because it was the only livable room in that house. There was holes in the floor. I mean, there's probably animals living in there. I don't know. I didn't want to know. <laughs> and I would think about how I got to the place that I did. I was, I was so depressed that I would drink until I blacked out. I would wake up, go to work, start over. I finally got to the point where I thought the only way out was if I killed myself. The first time I was going to do it, a friend taught me out of it. Not long after, I was drinking, I was crying, I was so depressed, I'd, I'd had enough. So I grabbed, I had a large knife, a large sharp knife, and I, I placed it right over my heart. I was, I was going to kill myself by driving a knife into my heart because my heart's the heck of worst. As a sharp blade pierced my skin, I stopped. And I thought, what if there was a hell? I'd always been told there was a God, but never really believed it. The thought of hell persuaded me to stop. So I just continued working, drinking. It was just a process I went through. One night, a friend I worked with invited me to a party at his house. After I'd been there for a while, I met a girl, and I instantly liked her. She liked me. So I started hanging out there. Uh, we would go to parties together, bars. Uh, I eventually had to move in with her. And the more I was with her, the less pain I felt. My depression seemed to ease up. At the time, I was not only drinking, but I was popping pills, too, and she didn't really like that, so I, I gave up most of the pills and committed myself to her. We talked about everything. She she told me she was married before, and she had tried to have children, but they couldn't. The doctors told her she would never have kids, and I was fine with that. The last thing I needed was a baby anyway. After dating her for a little while, I got a phone call at work, and... I just hear her crying. She just crying into the phone. She mutters, I'm pregnant. 
instantly my heart sank. The doctors deemed impossible happen. Made her take 20 pregnancy tests. Each one being positive. I couldn't believe it myself either. But she decided she wanted to go back to her home state of Kansas to be closer to her family. I took a day to think about it. I thought, do I stay here, let my baby grow up without a father like I did, or go? My mind and fear told me to stay, but my heart was telling me to go. So one week I find out I'm going to be a daddy. The next, I move into Kansas. So moving day came. The hardest thing about moving was telling my brother bye. I had a hand in raising him. He was almost like he was mine. But I, I had to go. So life in Kansas was much different than life in Texas. The scenery was beautiful. I mean, the rolling green hills. Um, her family was, they were great. They accepted me right into their home. Uh, I hadn't really been accepted for a while. and I felt like I belonged. They lived on a, on a farm and had a little bit of land. And for the first time in a long time, I was happy. So I saw this as my opportunity to start over. As time continued, the due date got closer and closer. The joy we once had faded a bit. We found ourselves arguing over every little thing, but mostly fueled by my drinking. I couldn't stop. I would sometimes quit for a day or so, but I, I would start to get sick and withdrawal, so I, I'd go ahead and drink again. It was just a pattern. So then my life changed forever. I heard the cry of my little girl. She was perfect. Lucky for her, she looked just like her daddy. <laughs> we all, we all like then, to believe that, don't we, Alex? <laughs> Yeah, I keep telling myself that every day. That's all us guys got, you know? <laughs> yeah. True. But I was determined to give her the life she deserves. But something I now see is when Jesus is in the center of your relationship, you can expect chaos. And Jesus was anything but in my relationship. I didn't even believe. So I started working two jobs, seven days a week. I would get home, we would fight about nothing, things that weren't even worth fighting over. I would go sit downstairs, drink, wake up, start over. So finally, one day when my little girl was about eight months old, her mother left me. So I sit, I'm two states away from everything I know. I'm homeless, I'm broke. I'm an alcoholic. I just, I just lost my most precious possession, my baby. The pain from that was unbearable. I felt worse off than I was before and more alone than ever. Fortunately, I knew one person from work that took me in. Unfortunately, I got comfortable. I started making friends that were just like me, broken and wicked people. 
these people were the worst of the worst. And I'm talking about gang members, drug dealers, alcoholics, uh, murderers, you name it. I started finding myself at drug houses and at drug deals. And almost every day I was in a dangerous situation. My mother would call me from Texas time to time and ask if I wanted to go to rehab and leave. And of course, I would say no. I didn't want to leave. My, I convinced myself that I was going to change. I was, I was going to go back. I was going to take care of my baby. And the people I was with there, they they accepted me for what I what I was doing for living in my sin. I actually was one of their leaders, if that's what you want to call them. So I felt like I had a sense of power. And it got to the point where a lot of people ended up being scared of me, and not because of me alone, but because of the company I kept. I surrounded myself with chaos because it kept the painful memories away. Once every few weeks, I would get to see my daughter. I would meet at a park for an hour or two, but that was about it. It was all supervised. Those were the most painful days because I missed her so much. I remember I went to see her one day, and she just she might have been just a little bit one, but she didn't even recognize me. She wouldn't come to me. She wouldn't let me hold her. She was scared of me. And that's when I decided I, I had to change. I had turned into my father the one thing I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to abandon my child. But these people weren't people that you could just walk away from. So one day I took what little I had left and I was gone. I got a tiny little apartment to myself. The only thing I had was a bed, a sleeping bag, and a small TV. So even though I was away from the chaos, I still felt so lonely and depressed, and the drinking just continued. Um, I was spending a couple hundred dollars just on alcohol alone, barely paying my rent. I only had one friend that I kept around, and saw I was down, I was depressed, and invited me to take a mini vacation a couple towns over to get away. Now what happened next, I never saw coming. I met a girl, another girl, and we spent the entire night talking about nothing. What caught my attention the most was the way she looked at me. When I looked at her looking at me, I saw forever, and I saw beauty. I felt something I'd never felt before. I was confused yet addicted. And she must have liked me too because a few weeks later she drove two hours away just to see me. That's when I knew she was different. She started coming every weekend. Those weekend visits soon became more frequent. She was coming every couple days. She couldn't, She didn't want to stay away from me and I didn't want to stay away from her either. 
she saw I didn't have much in my house, so one day she took what little money she had and she bought me house decorations and socks. And I still have those socks. I made sure to keep those. <laughs> I knew I loved her, and I knew she loved me. She soon would end up moving in with me. But not long after she moved in, we started to argue a little bit. She knew I drank a lot. It didn't, it didn't seem to bother her as much. Then she wanted me to meet her whole family. And I agreed before we went. <clears throat> Sorry. Before we went, she warned me that they were Christians and not to cuss or drink or anything. I hated Christians. The only Christians that I ever knew were hypocrites. They didn't use their Bible to heal. They used it to beat wound. I hadn't had any good experiences with Christians, really. I wasn't a believer myself. Um, I wasn't looking forward to meeting them. So we get there, and of course, I've been drinking. And She has one of those tight-knit families where they actually love each other kind of strange, you know, and they were always with each other, all her aunts and uncles, and they were always there, and for some reason, I didn't like it. I didn't like them. I made us leave as soon as we got the chance, and I didn't want to go back, and for a while, we didn't. So then, a few months later, we find out she's pregnant with a baby girl. Just after that, I married the love of my life. So it wasn't long after my second daughter was born, my wife decided she wanted to move closer to her family. So a few months later, we moved and lived with her dad for a while. Right after we got there, my wife wanted to go to church. I agreed I would go with her as long as we could stop by the liquor store on the way home. Hmm. I was still drinking daily. Um, but she didn't agree, but uh, I got my way, and so we did. <clears throat> So now looking back, I can tell you that this was a spiritually dead church. They relied on rock shows, smoke machines to pump everyone up. They had everything from air castles to Starbucks, movie theater seating. It was just one big show. I didn't really mind going because I felt good after. There was no preaching about repentance. Uh, the preacher was afraid say anything about hell, he would call it the bad place. Hmm. Um, so I was comfortable. I didn't know I really think I was doing anything wrong. I kind of knew it the whole time, but I never heard it come from behind the pulpit in the church. So I still didn't believe in God, but I convinced myself that if there was a God, since I was going to this church on Sundays, I would make it to heaven. I think that's a lie the devil feeds us and we convince ourselves and that's the downfall of many, many people. So with that mindset, I continue to fly. I'd wake up, I'd go to work, come home, drink. Okay, this is where it starts to pick up a little bit, so I had to get all the depressing stuff out of the way there, you know. <laughs> build up to it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a few months later, I was listening to a sermon titled Manasseh, and I felt something. It was something different, something I hadn't felt. So I listened to it again and again, and about eight times over. The sermon was about the story of Joseph and how his brothers sold him into slavery. It told about his rising to the number two spot in Egypt. But the focus of the sermon was on why Joseph named his firstborn son Manasseh. The name Manasseh in Hebrew meant to forget or to cause to forget. So even though Joseph's brothers did him wrong, sold him into slavery, Joseph forgave them and essentially forgot. He didn't let it burden him anymore. Something there sparked my interest. So I grabbed one of my old Bibles and decided I was going to read through it. So I, I, I started up front. I blew straight through Genesis. I got through the first half of Exodus, but once I reached Leviticus, I started to lose steam. And anybody that's read Leviticus, Uh that's a tough book to read. And then Numbers. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Nobody's faulting you for that, trust me. No. (laughs) So I I gave up. For the next few weeks, I was uncomfortable. I wanted to find out if there was a God. So I started listening to some creational scientists. And after I heard what they had to say, I still wasn't convinced that God existed. I, I couldn't see him. Um, I've been taught evolution my entire life. And um, a lot of the church today, they, they don't see evolution as big of a threat as it is. I'm going to take drinks here. <laughs> but so then he started showing himself to me in dreams. <laughs> now, if you don't believe God speaks in dreams, you need to read your Bible again. Oh, he does. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yes, he does. Our God is the God that spoke the world into existence. He can speak through dreams. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this is how they started. The first stream, I was back in Texas. In Texas, we have these plants. They're, they're patches of grass, and they're, they're called Mexican feather grass. I looked down, and I saw a patch of that grass on fire, but it wasn't burning up. I woke up with a strange feeling, but I convinced myself it was all in my mind. Everyone knows the story of Moses and the burning bush, so I, I brushed it off. A few nights later, I'd had another dream. This time, I was looking straight up into a thunderstorm. In the middle of the thunderstorm, there was a pentagram that flashed bright and then disappeared. The only reason I knew it was a pentagram was because I woke up and I immediately Googled what it looked like. The strangest feeling again, but I convinced myself it was nothing. About a week later, I dreamed the house I grew up in was sitting on top of a large boulder or a large rock. (laughs) 
weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Probably a week after that, I had a dream that I saw Jesus, what we would think Jesus would look like, uh, commonly depicted in pictures. And he was talking to three apostles. He was giving them orders. Even though I knew he had more than three, I didn't think much of it until later. I learned Jesus had three apostles. He would sometimes separate and take places without the rest, Peter, James, and John. Um, I had that dream before I knew that, which <laughs> blew my mind when I figured that out. So after that dream, I didn't know what to do. I knew with all my heart I was missing something. And I wanted to believe those dreams were indeed from God, but I quickly taught myself out of it. I was convinced these things didn't happen. It was just my mind. Um, it must have been something I weird. I don't know. I, I just forgot about it. Went back to normal. So we're still living with my, my father-in-law. A few weeks go by. We finally find a house move out. After getting settled in, I decided I'd try reading the Bible again, but instead of starting at the front, I would just open, read a little bit, stop, read some more, open random places, think about it. I was hoping to see something that would convince me God was real. After a while, I got frustrated. I gave up again. Like we continued going to church, doing the whole routine, go to church, stop by the liquor store after, um, just continued living in wickedness, sin, nothing changed. Then one day, I noticed my wife was acting different. There was something about her I never noticed before. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But we started butting heads more. She told me I needed to quit drinking. Of course, I refused. She fought me for a week or two before I finally caved in. But fine, I'll quit. Not so good. I tried to quit a few times before, but I'd always suffered withdrawals, uh, headaches, nausea, I'd sweat. So I knew it wouldn't last. <clears throat> two weeks went by before I noticed I hadn't drank anything. Um, how that happened, I don't know. The two weeks went by, I hadn't drank anything. So I decided to go out, buy some beer, drink it. The first beer, I got down no problem. But halfway through the second, I got sick the entire night and into the next day. My wife sees I'm sick, and she told me she prayed that God would make me quit drinking and if I went back to drinking, that she that he would make me sick. And to this day, I get sick from even thinking about drinking alcohol. I can't smell it. I don't want to look at it. I was instantly delivered from alcohol. No withdrawal, no headache, no sweat. Mm-hmm. Gone. Thank Jesus for the praying lives. Gone. Yes, yes, it was a, it was a miracle. The thing that was different about my wife is she had gotten saved and prayed that God would move my, remove my addiction. I'm an answer prayer. She would think after this, I 
wouldn't believe that there was a God, but I just didn't. I questioned it. But I kept seeking. So one night, I decided to try the praying thing that she did, and I asked God if he was real to show himself to me. <clears throat> and if he was indeed real, to show me what I'm supposed to do with my life. So the next morning at 2 a.m., me and my wife both woke up. We didn't know why. We were just laying there, and we heard what sounded like knuckles knocking on a hard back foot. I shot up, and I instantly knew what it was. I had a hardback Bible, and I placed it on the floor all by itself with nothing around it. For five minutes, I tried to come up with all these different theories on what caused that knock on the Bible, and it was, there was nothing there, nothing around it, nothing by it. Um, I was, like, throwing stuff off, off the shelf to hit it to see if it would make that sound. I Nothing. Something or someone tapped on my Bible. I suddenly had this weird tickle. That's the only way I could explain it. It was in my chest, and I had to read, but I didn't know where. So I just opened it, and I opened it to First Kings 19, 11, and 12, which says, And he said, Go out and stand on the mountain for the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore mm-hmm. the mountains and broke in pieces rocks before the Lord. Mm-hmm. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. My eyes opened a little wider. I was supposed to read that. I was expecting God to show himself to me, the giant sign in the sky saying, I'm God, here I am. Hmm. (laughs) But he spoke to me in that whisper. When I read that, I got one of those, you know, those little wow feelings you get inside when God speaks to you, and you're like, how how great is he? That's what I felt. And I wanted more. So I started seeking after God like never before. I continued reading. I wanted to know who he was and what his his will was for my life. Then one day, I was doing some random reading, and I stumbled upon a verse. After I read it about four or five times, I knew this was it. This is what I'm supposed to do. I waited a week. I told my wife, think I found what I'm supposed to do. She read the verses, and I don't think she really believed me. I <laughs> Half of me didn't believe me either. But a week or so went by, and so I texted her, I texted her those verses again from work, and I said, this is what I'm supposed to do. She said, okay, that was it. So I did some research, and, uh, I learned the uh, King James Version Bible. It was supposed to be the most accurate, which is debatable, but I told her, I asked her if she'd buy me a King James Version Bible. So she did. She went to the store, bought me one. I let it sit in the package on my shelf for a few days. So about the third day, I decided to unwrap it, flip through it. 
looked through it for a few minutes. I sat it down and I went to sleep for the night. About an hour later, I woke up. This time, that tickle that was in my chest turned into a fire. And it was burning bright inside of, my, inside of me. I had to read. I didn't know where, though. So I started with what I what I read you, first Kings 19, and I didn't get anything. I looked at a couple different verses and nothing. So I sat for a minute and decided to turn to the place where I believe I found my calling. So as I flipped through the last page of 1 Timothy, I go to, to turn to 2 Timothy. Uh, the book she, the Bible she brought me was an index Bible uh, with a tab. You, you guys know what that is with a sticker? It has stickers on it? I know the Bible with the tabs. One of those. Hmm? Sorry? Yeah, no, I was just saying I know the Bible with the tabs. I don't know that it has, I, I, I don't know what I'm thinking about has stickers on it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's the tabs. There are just stickers on there. Uh, oh, I see. So you have the tabs. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go and one of the stickers was misplaced and it just happened to be stuck where I found my calling. Second Timothy four, two, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So my wife had randomly grabbed a Bible, left it still in the package, brought it to me, and it just happened to have a sticker stuck on the page where I thought I'd found my calling. <laughs> As some people say coincidence, I say God. All little the de- all, all the little details. We actually did a, a session yeah. called Not by Coincidence, but by God. Mm-hmm. Yes, our God is a God of detail. I'm learning. So I questioned my wife. I said, did you do this? Did you <laughs> did you stick this here and then somehow put it back in the package? And then, of course, she was asleep. It was like 1 in the morning, and she was angry, and she said no. <laughs> <laughs> but for a few weeks, I was on fire. And then the doubt started to creep in again. So a month later... I convinced myself everything I had seen could be explained. I started doubting God's existence again. <clears throat> so I asked God to show himself to me. I tried to get a drink. So I asked God to show himself to me and show me what I'm supposed to do again. <clears throat> <clears throat> So, I go to sleep that night. The next morning, I wake up. I'm in my room alone. And I notice I can't move. Out of nowhere, I have this overwhelming sensation. At first, it felt amazing, but then it was too much. So much, I couldn't take it. And I passed out. I was, I was tossed into a dream, and the dream was me preaching repentance off of a pulpit. 
I was preaching to a congregation in a church. I woke up. The same thing happened again. Overwhelming sensation flooded my body. I convulsed. It was it was overwhelming. I, I all I can say about it. I can't even explain it. But I I passed out again and went into the same dream again. Me preaching off from a pulpit, preaching repentance. <clears throat> I woke up. I said, God, you were real. And I gave my heart to Jesus right there. That I'm yours. Amen. Wow. Later as I learned more, my uh, the dreams I originally had started to make sense. <clears throat> the dream about my house being on a rock, he, Peter was called the rock. He was the leader. He was bold. Mm-hmm. James and John were called the sons of thunder. I had a fiery personality that why many people believe they were called that. And I realized that God, he was giving me instructions on what to do because I had no idea. I don't know how I don't know how to become what he wanted me to do, but he gave me instructions. Study Peter, study James and John, study what these apostles did. Be bold. But that's just it like was God, crazy isn't thing, it? Of course. That's just like God. Oh, sorry. I said that's just like God, isn't it? You know, he doesn't make us or allow us to understand. He just wants us to be obedient and trust in him. Yes, right. Yes. That's absolutely right. So after all that happened, I I had to tell somebody besides my wife. And the only person I could think of was my wife's uncle, Tony. I knew he, he preached some and uh, he was a churchy guy, you know. And so I, I asked him if he would talk and he said, sure. I told him my my story. I showed him my Bible. He he said you should come to my church. So my uncle Tony went from being my wife's uncle Tony to my uncle Tony. <laughs> he took me under his wing. He mentored me. He kind of he like helped me grow in so many different ways. Kind of like how Paul God placed him in my life for that. Took Timothy in. Would you say there, babe? Kind of like Paul. Yeah, just was saying, just kind of like Paul took Timothy in, and you know, he was he was in the book of Timothy, which led him to his calling. Right. And now this uncle is kind of like Paul, you know, grooming right. him and That's leading right. him. Oh wow. That is right. I never even thought of that. Yeah, wow. he, he took him like a son. He wasn't his natural born son, but he took him like a son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I suspect yeah, is what right. happened with that's... you. 
I really bear witness to this testimony. Right you, right I do. I, I, I'm just want to ask him. So when is he going to be a pastor? Exactly. <laughs> That's the question. Question has been posed. Uh, it's, I, I'm working on it. <laughs> Still going. Good for you. <clears throat> well, we really bear witness with that testimony because the, you're talking to a couple of guys in this room that were what we call tired. Tired. We were tired. We were there. We were ready to do it. And uh, right. <laughs> you'll have to go back and listen to Mikey's testimony. He, he's uh, It's uh, quite uh, interesting how the Lord stopped him, you know, uh, with, it asked him to check his email. <laughs> which, mm-hmm. So, and with me, uh, mine's kind of interesting too. So, but, uh, the, and, and how the Lord stopped you, you know, as you were pressing the knife against your skin. Yep. You know, put that thought in your mind. What if I'm mm-hmm. going to hell? What if well, this whole thing is true? Right. Whether you believed or not, it was still there. Right. It was still uh, implanted. And, yeah. and like yeah, I was, yeah. that's all I had in my mind was ready. I was going to do it. I was going to kill myself. And I was just trying to figure out a way to, to do it. How am I going to do this? And I get this thought that comes in my mind. Why don't you check your email? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. What uh, what session number are you, Mikey? Three, but it's not on. Oh yeah, oh, it's no. not loaded up. It's not I, loaded on. I I'm going mean, to commit uh, to fixing that this week. I got to commit to fixing that, so uh, folks can go on there and hear that. That's for sure. Well, now wow. that we talked about it, probably people are going to probably want to. They're going to want to. So now I'm committed. I I got to get on there and fix it. So we we had a, a debacle with the website and. Well, Fritz, Fritz made a, you know, did the, the website, redid it, and when he started to do it, it just happened to turn out that uh, sessions one through, what, 32 or something? 32 or 33, Were yeah. missing. Are missing. So. <laughs> Not yeah. truly missing, just... Well, yeah. We've I just got to find them and reload yeah, them I've got to at up. least get links up to them or something so people, because now... I, you know, trying to even refer him to, to Mikey's testimony would be hard. But Well, not only that, all just, the listeners, too, that yeah. just heard this. Mm-hmm. So, wow, what a great testimony. Thank you, Alex. For... Oh, I'm not done yet. Oh, I'm okay. just started. Really? <laughs> I'm almost done. I got a little bit more to add. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Where did I leave you off here? You're... you're your uncle took you under his wing. Yes, he did. So my new addiction was to the living Christ. So I, I joined this church. I, I became a member, and I got a membership card. So on that membership card, the pastor, he just writes random verses on it. So I got mine, and it, mine said Hebrews 4.12. Sharp, sharper than a double-edged so sword. I, that's right. I didn't know that. So I went to open up my Bible and take a guess what was stuck on the other side of Second Timothy. Hebrews 4.12. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. If you have I, it there, uh, oh, sorry. Alex, if you have it there, go ahead and read it. I just paraphrased it. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, I got my Bible app here. Uh, 
think I would have been more prepared. There we are. Okay. It says, the word of God is living and active, sharp a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of the joints and of the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That was on the back, stuck on, on that sticker. So, of course, my heart hopped out of my chest. I caught a moment. Um, it's amazing. So shortly after that, I, I started going to a prayer meeting. Um, it, was on, it was on Saturday night, 1030. And everything was going great. You know, a new Christian, uh, you know, that upward phase you go through. But one night during prayer meeting, God placed my Aunt Jody directly on my heart. Jody was one of my wife's aunts. Um, I married in. She became my Aunt Jody. But Jody's husband's name was Aaron. They had three children together, and he is a very successful dentist. Years prior to me joining the family, Aaron was diagnosed with a degenerative back disease. It was extremely painful, and the only thing that would keep his pain down was taking pain pills. Uh, eventually, Aaron would become addicted to the pain pills, and it was destroying his life. God completely broke my heart for Jody. He wanted me to pray for her and her kids. So I remember leaving that prayer meeting and sitting in the parking lot for almost two hours weeping uncontrollably. I didn't completely understand the situation, but my heart was just broken for her. Then a few weeks later, God gave me another dream. This time, um, it was like my eyes were shut. That's how I describe it. A voice told me, Aaron's dead. But then I opened my eyes, and I saw Aaron and his wife, Jody. They were sitting in a giant tree, biggest tree I've ever seen. I can't tell you where they were. I can't describe what I saw. I, it was insanely bright and beautiful. That was it. That's all I knew. And he was looking at her like he was telling her bye. Not like bye for good, but, but bye until later. And he was still alive right there. The strangest thing about that was Aaron was an atheist. So that same night, Aaron overdosed. Jody found him and saved his life. The doctor said there was no medical explanation to why he was still alive, and it was a miracle. A few days later, Aaron gave his heart to Jesus. Amen. I told Tony and my wife, about that dream, and so I just thought it was maybe it was a spiritual death, and that was it. You know, so, so everything was great. And then six weeks later, during altar call at church, I saw Jody praying. God told me to go pray with her, and I don't know why, but I froze. The next day, I woke up to my wife crying, and Aaron had died in his sleep. 
God had wanted me to go and pray with her, and I didn't. And so I instantly, I felt that depression creep up again. I felt like I killed Aaron by not praying with Jody. That, that was what I thought. That was the attack of the enemy. But I went to a place of depression again, and I was saved. I knew I was saved. I knew who God was, but I I was in a dark place and I didn't know what to do. So a month and a half went by and we were at church again and I was just standing there. Altar call came. My Aunt Jody grabbed a hold of me and drug me to the altar. She prayed over me and I felt a warm sensation go up my spine and my depression left. I don't think it was a coincidence that she's the one that prayed for me and for that depression to go away when I couldn't pray for her. Um, and, you know, I could continue telling you about the things I've seen her God do. I mean, we've seen stage four cancer disappear. A man had a heart attack and died. Um, my pastor happened to be there and prayed for seven minutes. That man rose from the dead. He had doctors lining up. They didn't know how he was alive. He was breathing and talking after being gone for seven minutes. You know, I, I could tell you of addictions broken overnight, homes put back together. I've seen God give a barren woman a child. I see prayers answered weekly. And I can continue, but I mean, would anyone believe me? Do you believe? God is who he says he is. I mean, he, we as Christians have successfully eliminated a supernatural God. We forget he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. He's the same God that spoke us into existence. But when we hear stories like this, a supernatural, of God speaking to us, things happening, we, we turn a blind eye to it. We undermine the importance of prayer. We claim we want revival, but are we willing to pray for it? The most powerful thing we can do as Christians is pray. And I'm proof that there is power in prayer. We just need to humble ourselves and seek his face and let God be God. Mm-hmm. Especially when he directs you. That's about all I got. Especially when he directs you to pray for a certain reason or a certain person yeah. because there's he's going to do something there. Yeah. Yes, yes. I learned the hard way. <laughs> uh, he got us good, though. Yep. He's been too good to me. Luke, Luke, 1 verse, sure. Luke 1 verse 37 says, For nothing is impossible with God. Amen. You got that right. I mean, we're sitting Amen. here. Uh-huh. Oh, it's true. A <laughs> couple of faces for radio right here. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's impossible. Yes. I thought oh, somebody wow. wanted me to give you a shout out. I think it was Destiny. Want me to get Destiny? <laughs> wanted to me to That is my little sister. Wanted me to give you a shout out and I said, "Well, I'll try if I can get a word in." Cuz he's on a roll. It was her birthday yesterday. Oh, happy birthday, really? Destiny. Happy birthday, yes, Destiny. That's awesome. Yes, yes. He's 12. Oh. Oh, that's fantastic. So. Fantastic. Yeah, she's my little sweetheart. 
Well, Alex, I would say uh, that you're going to have to uh, update us uh, when you get a little uh, further on that uh, road that Father has directed you to. I would say so. I will. I'm about to start a, a ministry up in my church for young adults. Um, going to work on leadership, going to that next level. Um, big weakness in our church is the young adults. So looking forward to see what God's going to do. That's, that's where that's where pastors are made from uh, working with children and uh yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. yes yes awesome. well alex we really thank wow. you for your time and you absolutely. know opening up your heart to us and sharing your testimony and i'm yeah. sure there's those, again thank you guys i'm sure there's those someone's out there that needed to hear uh all that you had to say for sure yeah, I just want to thank everybody that's um, that's on Mixler tonight, man. We have had a really good crew, and the um, they've just been keeping me busy with yeah, the chat. Yeah, they were chatting away. And not only that, the prayer requests. I've had some prayer requests come in, um, a bunch of them, um, some concerning um, some... Uh, you know, kidney and liver disease and, and cancer and, and all kinds of stuff. They're, they were just flooding in tonight, and it was so blessing me. And then I got a nice note from Tracy that wrote in and said that um, Thursday is her favorite night. She um, has a choice to go to this other meeting or stay home and listen to us, and she stays Aww. home to oh, listen to you, us. Thank you, Tracy. That's so sweet. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, you know, and it's not us. It's it's yeah, God's it's show and uh, everything. But I'm so honored to hear things like that, mm-hmm. that the show is, is touching people and and hopefully changing lives and encouraging people. It's been our only agenda from right. the very start. Yep. So. Absolutely. God, we just the love mission, each and every one of you. The mission statement, uh, bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement through the power of the Christian testimony. So, well, that's fantastic. Well, we got to get out of here. We do. Well, at least I do. Yeah, you got to go see the mouse. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't... Uh, He's gonna take kindly no rest to, for you. Take kindly to people being late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Want to thank Nick and Janelle and uh, Destiny and Mark and uh, four other folks. Nick, uh, Tracy, four other folks that I can't see, but they're on with us. Thank you for dialing into uh, Mixler tonight. You dialed into a good one. Thank yes, you, guys. Uh, thanks again to our. Um, our guest Alex, we really appreciate him taking the time. What an amazing! And how how what can they do so you can see them? So you can see them, you know, see their name on there. You on see, Mixler, you can't oh, see him. Oh, they just have to follow us on Mixler. You can just follow us, and then uh, then I'll be able to see who you are, and that's that's even more of a blessing. And uh, just like Alex, you can write in uh, GodStoriesRadio at gmail dot com. We'll read your testimony, or you can call in like Alex did. We'd love for you to come by the studio Absolutely. if you're local. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Please uh, follow us on iHeartRadio, and you'll never miss an episode. Um, like us on Facebook, please. And then uh, also you can? Twit us. You can twit us, as Mikey says, on Twitter. So, so many good avenues and uh, that God has blessed us with that you can listen in and, and be encouraged. And, and uh, we just thank each and every one of you. And we're going to be... Um, I've noted those prayer requests, all of them, and uh, we're going to be praying. And, and in turn, uh, we ask that you guys pray for us. And and um, as we're, uh, you know, we're just here to help others. Yes, we are. Facilitate what God wants. So no, We had no other agenda. No other agenda. 
All right, guys, we're going to sign off. Um, what a man! What a great show. It just about wraps it up now for session one thirty-seven. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. God bless. I've been restless on the inside, wondering about this heart of mine. I've been desperately trying to find a way to prove that I'm still alive. Has the love I speak so loudly of quietly grown cold? Has my life been an empty voice? What I see needs to be seen. Love come to life, bring love to life